this lesson is owing to the Hebrew used to describe the familiar story of Abraham, Isaac, and the ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. See Genesis 22, specifically verse 14. Another familiar story from all four of the Gospels embraces the same lesson. The Lord will provide. This time, in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6, the setting is not Mount Moriah. This time, it is Galilee, specifically Bethsaida. The cast in this tale includes all 12 disciples, 5,000 men, along with untold numbers of women and children, and Jesus of Nazareth. To set the story in its proper context, we must look earlier in each chapter of the four Gospels, and even further. The twelve have returned from their initial mission to preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick, and cast out unclean spirits. Their mood is one of success. Their physical condition, however, is one of near exhaustion. Jesus himself is very drained. From the news of his cousin John and his death at the hands of King Herod. Jesus recommends a retreat, boarding their now familiar boat and setting off to a secluded place for rest. The crowds, however, watch the boat sail and they follow, swelling their numbers as they go along. My favorite account of what comes next is found in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John starting in verse 3. Nonetheless, there are some aspects of the other three accounts I should include because they are no less important. The story begins, Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Let's pause here to acknowledge John's quite interesting inclusion of the fact that Passover was fast approaching. Let us recall the significance of Passover throughout Scripture, in the ministry of Jesus, even to his crucifixion. The story continues. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes, and seeing that a large crowd was coming, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these may eat? Matthew, Mark, and Luke focus a bit more on the interchange between the disciples and Jesus. From Matthew, we read, When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate and the hour is already late. To send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I think you can also see, the Lord helps those who help themselves. 
the bottom line of these accounts. Number one, we're tired and it's late. Number two, send the crowds away. Number three, we can't deal with this. And number four, it is better for them to fend for themselves. Jesus' response is both interesting and commanding. You give them something to eat. What follows is some quibbling about lack of resources, like funds, food, along with the size of the crowd. So, returning to John's account, Jesus' question becomes a test for Philip. Jesus is well aware of what will happen throughout the rest of this story. Philip's response is to whine about how much money would be necessary to feed the crowd. Frankly, I would expect the question to come from Judas Iscariot, the treasurer and the traitor. But Philip is local to the area. The disciples identify five loaves of barley bread and two fish as the sum total of the available food in the area. Jesus then commands the disciples to organize the crowd to make the distribution more efficient. And he said to his disciples, have them set down to eat in groups of about 50 each. They did so and had them all sit down. Continuing on in Luke, in verse 16, the Lord provides. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them, and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. The Gospels here are in agreement. They all ate and were satisfied. What happens next, to me at least, is quite extraordinary. In John 6, 12 to 13, we read, When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. There are, I believe, at least a couple of interesting things to note. First, the disciples were commanded to collect all the leftovers as an operation to ensure they would remember this Passover. As we noted earlier, the disciples were already tired. But this last task was important, as we read later in the Gospel of Mark. When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. Recall, if you will, that this exchange is in the midst of the second mass feeding, this time only four thousand. When the disciples found themselves again trying to figure out how to feed the second multitude. Next, the number of baskets filled with the leftovers is significant. So, where did the baskets come from? 
I would suggest that the baskets came from the boat, and each disciple carried a basket, ostensibly with belongings to take ashore. But I would also suggest that the number 12 carries with it God's own significance, since the number appears 187 times in his word. For example, the 12 tribes of Israel, the fact that there were 12 disciples, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, totaling 144,000, to receive salvation during the Great Tribulation. Christ's bride in Revelation 12, the church, wears a crown containing 12 stars. The New Jerusalem has 12 gates made of pearl, each gate manned by an angel. The number 12 is considered a perfect number. It symbolizes God's power and authority and serves as a perfect foundation for government. So, whether you consider Yahweh Yireh, or, if you prefer, the Lord will provide, whether you consider Genesis and its story of Abraham and Isaac, or the Gospels and its telling of the feeding of the 5,000, it is important today, especially, to consider as fact, the Lord will provide. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Finally, consider these four principles. First, our resources are woefully inadequate to meet the need, whatever that need might be. Second, we are to take inventory and bring what resources we have to Jesus. Next, we are to place our resources in his hands and do what he wishes with them. That is, let go. Finally, he, in turn, blesses them and places them back in our hands, multiplied, more powerful than we can imagine.